Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by The War for the Tower. The War for the Tower is an actual play podcast set in the world of Stephen King's Dark Tower. As the Dark Tower includes elements of every possible universe, including those from literature and pop culture, the characters are all over the map. There's a drow elf psychic, Magnus Bane, High Warlock of Brooklyn, Hezekiah Staunton, Gunslinger of Midworld, and many more. The settings include New York City circa 2020, a world in which JFK lived and served a second term and the Vietnam War ended in 65, and a blown-to-crap version of Midworld. Our heroes are given an important mission to save all universes, and we have a fun, sexy time along the way. Jeff wants to thank Natasha and Miles for inspiring this project, and hopes you will all check out the first episode at warforthetower.com. This is an Unspoiled Network podcast. This is Unspoiled, covering The Dresden Files, Book 8, Proven Guilty, Chapters 46 and 47. In these chapters, so Harry did have a plan after all, and thank goodness that Rashid took five whole minutes of dead silence to make his decision. Also, thank God for that pitcher of ice water. <laughs> Welcome to Unspoiled. show everybody i am natasha i'm rashawn yeah so so much to talk about really glad we decided to only cover these two chapters for this last episode 
Yeah, I guess so, right? When I was listening to the audiobook, I just couldn't believe how much was in these two chapters. Um, I'm really glad that I checked ahead and noticed that and did this because there's a lot to cover here. What did you think of this? What did you think of all of this? Everything. Well, um... <laughs> Imagine me staring at you in rapt attention. <laughs> my hands under my chin. My feet kicking up behind me on my bed. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> I'm interested. Um, so... We, when we get to the end of these books, you know... He manages, Butcher manages to tease the story out to the very, very end before you get any kind of resolution. Mm -hmm. And I always find myself being like, there is not enough time to give me an ending that is going to be satisfying. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this last time because we agreed that up until maybe the last book he had a pretty good record yeah agreed um and so i knew i'm starting to trust that he's going to be able to pull it off at the end Mm -hmm. and this one this ending he did a really interesting thing where it's like he because the ending is Michael shows up mm-hmm. basically and that's what ultimately saves the day Michael right. has gotten the message that Father Fort Hill sent to him that you mm-hmm. need to get back and and preferably if you're with the council bring them with you right right and because that seems so unlikely right and almost like a cheat he does this brilliant thing where he has Michael and Harry have the conversation, right, about how this ended up working out. Mm-hmm. And it's Michael and Harry having their conversation that they've had many times before about the nature of faith and how God works. Mm. So even if I was going to feel like, oh, this is really a stretch butcher. Like this last minute white night, literally a white night night. rides in and saves the day. But then they have this wonderful conversation about whether or not this whole time, the mission that Michael was on led him to the council and put him in a position to save the day with them because ultimately it would save Molly. Mm -hmm. And that's a really wonderful fascinating thing to think about but then before you even dig into that michael goes what about this what if really what we were doing (laughs) is trying to save you right so not only did this ending like meet the expectation i have of these books now but i have to say it really like exceeded it Mm -hmm. um but that's like you know big broad strokes um, for the actual way it happened, I savored that the Merlin has to, like, <laughs> eat this, right? Yeah. Um, I know that's not, the like, the point of these last two chapters, 
But I feel like that's really the most important thing that happened. Honestly, <laughs> like, it's hard not to make that the point when he is such an asshole. You know, like, that was... And he... I mean, he's... He is so angry. Mm-hmm. And he can't do anything but, like, shove it down in this moment. Because he's been outmaneuvered. He, like... and And... Harry was hoping that Michael was, like, with some council people, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure Harry had any idea just how perfectly this was all going to work out. No, there's no way he could have known. So it was a real nice, like, he's a damn hero is what he is, Mm -hmm. and and I'm just like, oh, man, could you have asked for better right now? I mean, not only is Michael a hero that they are all indebted to, but he shows up with these other votes, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, and there's no way Harry could have known that this would work out as well as it did. So, like, Michael's like, you're kind of took a leap of faith. And Harry is being really kind of being, playing with semantics. Like, no, I took mm-hmm. a leap of your faith. <laughs> you know, I counted on your faith, you know, being worth something. But yeah, it's it. But but there's a moment because uh, the last chapter ends with just like the sentence, right? Mm-hmm. And this opens, and I couldn't get over Morgan, who it's clear he does not want to do this. Yeah, this is the first time we've seen this sort of hesitation, yes. like outright yes. from him. And because he's Morgan, and he has his own set of values that he lives by that are very important to him, he's going to do this shit anyway. Mm-hmm. Right, because it's his duty, and he takes it very seriously. But we see that he's not going to enjoy it. He doesn't want to do this. And when Harry steps in front of him and he says, "Move, please," like I caught my breath a little bit. Right. You know, first of all, I don't think I've ever heard Morgan say "please" to Harry about any fucking thing. Yeah. And true, true. I mean, just it's such a simple line, but just the move, please, and you. I don't know. I felt like I could see his face, you know, mm-hmm. like Agreed. and it. I was, I was legit surprised at how moved I was by that. That like just a, a quick moment, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Harry is like, for a second, you think it's going to be a fight because, like, you know, he he grabs his staff and steps in, in between Molly and Morgan, and. It makes, like, of course, it's Harry's not going to let them just do whatever. Mm-hmm. But also, I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, right? no, don't no. Don't fuck this up even right? worse. Don't, yeah. don't, this, no, don't do this. Do anything <laughs> but this. Um, and then he surprised me because he ends up yelling, like, point of order. And he takes a tack that I didn't know he had in him. Which is just to, like, you know, if we're going to play by these council rules then let's really play by all the rules mm-hmm. and i was like okay harry look at you knowing a little bit about your um what was it from what is that called remember in the wire the uh oh. rob something's something whatever the rules are to like when you have uh what do you i call couldn't that? even remember that when we were recording it i have no memory now <laughs> but uh you know what i'm talking about though right yeah 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 like, like the rules of Rules of order, rules yeah, of law, something yes, like that. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. So I was like really, really impressed with Harry having the presence of mind to um, 
stall them with their own their own rules mm-hmm. and basically he's just like the gatekeeper hasn't voted yeah and Merlin is of course he is uh, falling on the side of logic and like well it won't make any difference what he votes mm-hmm. but Harry is like oh you wanted all this bureaucracy just a second right. ago right. if that's what we're going to do then we're going to yeah, do that exactly and uh, it's a pretty beautiful, like, Rashid seems to immediately figure out what it is that Harry's trying to do here. You know what? Let me ask you something. Because, where is it when he says point of order, point of order? I'm sorry. Where is it? He says something like, I felt the um, presence in my back or something, he says. Or is that later? Um, I'm not sure what Wait. you're referring. Oh, oh. Or you're talking about the Merlin, the pressure of his rage? No, no, no. That's when he talks about having like a baseball bat in his mm-hmm. chest. No, no. There's, um... Sorry, 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 guys. I pointed my finger at the gatekeeper. He has not cast his vote. Um... He turned to his head to the gatekeeper. Gatekeeper, how find you in this matter? And the gatekeeper said nothing. Um, I find the need for deliberation. I beg the council's indulgence while I ponder this matter. Um, um, I'm not sure what you're referring here to. Here it is. Here it is. Sorry. Okay. Um, I looked wildly around the room for someone, anyone to help, for someone to stop this madness. I felt a sudden pressure against my spine, and I looked over my shoulder. My eyes fell on the gatekeeper. Ooh, I didn't even catch that. So, Ooh, like, that's interesting. I was going to ask you, what is that? Like, it it felt like he was, like, willing, Dresden, to think of me. Like, think of me, think of me, think of me. <laughs> interesting. That's a, that's a fun little uh, Easter egg nugget. I like it. <laughs> So, yeah, but, um... Because he is a sly one. Yeah, right, he's very wily. Mm-hmm. And later He's got on. a whole vibe to him that I'm always just like, I want to know more about this guy. And mm-hmm. he just comes in and just sort of, like, runs everything for a second, but just short enough a time that you kind of forget, and the Merlin seems to be back in control, but mm-hmm. it's like, is he? When- I don't know. Ebenezer and Harry are having a conversation at the end of the book and they are talking about who could possibly be like the, tr- the high level traitor. Mm-hmm. Mer- Ebenezer vouches for listens to wind. Yes. And Harry vouches for one Morgan. person, Morgan. I thought for sure one of them would be like, and it's, and it's definitely not Rashid, but they don't say that. No. <laughs> I thought it was really weird that they didn't take him like immediately off the table. So now I'm like, oh, that's right. This guy is all kinds of shrouded in mystery. What mm-hmm. is his deal? <laughs> yeah, Harry kind of wants to, but Ebenezer is the one that's like, I just can't get like a, a bead on what this guy's about and until I really feel like I know for sure mm-hmm. I don't want to take anything for granted with yeah. this guy so let's just 
and he, as he puts it, like, we can't take it back once we tell somebody. Yeah. So let's just wait and make absolutely <laughs> sure. But, um, so yeah, so he, you know, takes some time to deliberate a whole five minutes, which the Merlin is begrudgingly gives him. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the five minutes, he's like, enough. Oh, <laughs> uh, this, the Merlin is so irritated. It's really like, if it weren't, even if they didn't win, his irritation over this would almost be worth it. <laughs> just, I like seeing him get mad and petulant like a child mm-hmm. and just sort of expose himself in that way. Not in that way. <laughs> I mean. Um, so, yeah. So this and, is when he gets interrupted. like, when he frames the whole thing as, yeah, I know that it won't matter in, in <coughs> whether or not she actually is killed. But it will matter to my conscience mm-hmm. whether or not I had a part in that or yeah. not. And I was like, that's a really good way to frame that. Like yeah, it. it is. Yeah, because you're asking me to co-sign something. Mm-hmm. You know, and if I'm going to do that, you're damn right I'm going to take a minute or two to think about it. Yeah. And uh, right when Merlin is like, all right, that's enough, you know, fucking vote. That's when the troops end up coming in. Mm-hmm. And he goes and lets them in, and it's uh, Lucio with all these kids, or yeah. you know, young people, teenagers, or whatever. Um, and then Ebenezer is yelling outside, and Michael comes in. Yeah. Is this, this is pretty dramatic, man. It is like well, Molly goes like running. The, the, the thing that when this was like a side conversation because everybody's coming in. She, Molly freaks out when she sees Michael goes running to him. You know, there's like injured people being brought in, mm-hmm. um, and you know everybody's scrambling trying to like get everybody in safely. It seems like they're being chased by something, but that is never discussed. They're being chased by the Reds out of Fairy, I think. As they're coming out of Fairy? Okay. Because they, when, let's see, uh, he flicked a gloved hand at the lock on the chain door, yada, yada, yada. Um, so something get, like, clear the door, it. fool. Get them inside. They're right behind us. And I'm closing the way now. Yeah. yeah. So I'm closing the way yeah. implies that they were in Fairy. Okay. And then it's like they there's something that hits it and then all of a sudden... Like it's quiet and it's like nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. So that, that makes sense. I didn't really understand they were coming like from fairy because I was like, why did everything stop so suddenly? But that makes sense. If the portal was closed, then poof, it's done. This is so there were several more howls and a bell like chime of steel. Something hit the wall of the warehouse hard enough to shake dust from the rafters. Mm -hmm. Then there was a rushing sound of wind that abruptly ended in heavy silence. Yeah. (laughs) Yikes. (laughs) Um, And there is a a moment where Harry is talking to the Merlin. It kind of doesn't seem like anybody else is paying attention. And he's just like, uh, you know, um, the vote's not over. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then he's like oh and that guy that's michael knight of the cross you know whatever i don't know if you uh if you've heard of them right you You, know we hung out all the time and the little outfit you may or may not be familiar with you know just some guys that work directly for god no big deal and he just says which sword yeah um and when he when, when harry tells him 
you know, he looks like, uh, he says Merlin lifted a brow and nodded. Like, hmm, really? Yeah. And that's when he's just like, you know, Harry's like, look, at this point, there's no downside, you know? Mm-hmm. Either you're wrong and she's great and she helps us, or you're right and you kill her. And, and he's like, you got oh. to kill me. Yeah, and he's like, and you as well, my friend. Yep. Um, but the fr- my friend part is implied. He doesn't actually say that. <laughs> my good bitch. <laughs> oh my god! Did you did you see that thread? Uh, the the abortion. Yes. Thread? Yeah, that was some good shit. It really was. She's. I think. What did she say? I think, think the, the fuck not, not my, my good, good bitch. bitch. <laughs> yep. I've seen my good bitch used a couple different places. I and had, it's always excellent. I hadn't seen it before. It was my favorite part of the whole thing. And I think <laughs> it was really good. Oh, it was so good. Um, okay. So now we get down to like what's happening. They have a vote. And uh, she her life is spared. She's going to be on that pr- probation, the the doom of what is it, Damocles, Damocles which is Harry knows all about that, mm-hmm. and there's still like, uh, you know, people scurrying around, and then eventually everybody gets to leave, and um, finally it's just him, Michael, and Molly left, mm-hmm. and. Harry is sort of reckoning a little bit with what he's just done. Yeah. And how he because handles the Because as he Merlin. says later to her, he's like, yeah, I really didn't expect to come out the other side of this. So uh, I don't mm-hmm. really have a plan yet. I'm mm-hmm. going to have to figure this out. Like, right. And he's saying, you know, well, he's thinking to himself, the way he handled the Merlin, is, again, is going to have really dire consequences because you made him look bad. Mm-hmm. And he had challenged him and got away with it with witnesses. And that's not the kind of thing the Merlin is going to let stand, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is going to have to really fucking mind his P's and Q's. <laughs> because he's, yep. he's just going to be lurking, waiting to drop the hammer on Harry the first opportunity he gets. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I feel like... Harry is delirious from exhaustion because I find that thought really terrifying. <laughs> the, what the Merlin like doing anything he can yes. to get back at him in yes. any way possible. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Is that frightening somehow? What do you? Eh, um, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he's uh, he's just I guess like exhilarated that they have all lived to see another day, and he managed to save Molly. Um, and he's like, you know what, fuck it, I'll take it. You know, mm-hmm. I got rid of the fetches, Molly's coming home, you know, we had our first win against the Red Court, I'm gonna fucking call this a win. Mm-hmm. Which, sometimes you gotta do Listen, that. it's been a long book, and he needs a win. Yep. So I'm not gonna argue about taking it back from him. I'm gonna let him have this. And it doesn't last long, because he gets in the car with Michael, and shit gets real yeah yeah so surprise (laughs) my good bitch (laughs) michael been knowing been knowing what did you think of that reveal listen 
Okay, so again, done so well. They're in the car. They are having this real... First, he has to catch Michael up. You know, there's a lot to fill him in on. Yes. He does not tell him about charity, though. No, I really appreciated yeah, that. I did, too. Um, but he catches him up to speed, and then Michael's like, you know, you've been a little distant. What's up with all that? Mm-hmm. And Harry is thinking, obviously, about last year immediately, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. And then, before you know it, he's talking. But what he's talking about is the two people he killed. Mm-hmm. When he killed um, that that girl. The, um, the corpse taker. Corpse taker, thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> and the other person he killed. Um, Caius? Is that how you say his name? Cassius? Cassius, thank you. Right. So he ends up confessing that, you know, killing two people, he'd never really done it that way before. Like, this is just, like, he shot somebody in the back of the head. That's not like using magic to to Mm -hmm. fight, you know, a supernatural being. Even though she was low-key kind of supernatural, though, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But still, it was a gun to the back of the head, not his fucking hellfire or his spells or his staff or anything. And it's been weighing on him. Mm Mm-hmm. And... He hasn't said shit to me and you about this this whole book, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, uh, no, I guess he has. I didn't stop for a second to even think that this is something that would be weighing on him. Yeah, and of course it is. But I hadn't. I'm not gonna lie. I hadn't given it a second thought. Um. So I was reading it, and I was completely taken aback by this. Right. I yeah. thought that we were going to have a moment with him and Michael where it's all like Harry bullshitting about everything, but what's, what's important, which in my mind is last year, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't expect him to have a very sincere and real meaningful conversation with Michael about something that was really weighing on him. I thought it was just mm-hmm. going to be like nonsense that he was going to use to like deflect or whatever. Mm. But he he gives them something real, and they have a, a and Michael is a good person to talk to about this because you know he kind of knows what this feels like, mm-hmm. and just as I'm really appreciating this wonderful moment of honesty and being like, yeah, this is a conversation. I'm so happy they're having it. Mm-hmm. I guess it felt really good to Harry too because what do you know? <laughs> Boop. He just blurts it out about last year like it's <laughs> no fucking big deal. It just it just comes out. And because the conversation starts with Harry obviously wanting to avoid talking about that and then talking about something really real, I thought last year was off the table for this for this car ride, right? Right. Like I was like, Oh, they're just gonna talk about the murders and that's that's good and that's a real thing, so I'm not mad at it. I had no idea we were gonna also get him being like, Oh, and by the way, I I touched a coin. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit reeling from that. Like, oh, we're doing that. We're really doing that now. And Michael was like, yeah, I know. I've been known. <laughs> I saw you do that shit. Listen, girl. He's, Michael says, yes, I saw you protecting my youngest. Mm-hmm. That's the way he says yep. that shit. I 
have loved Michael for a minute now. I mean, you guys know I enjoy him whenever he shows up in the story. I didn't realize how much I missed him until these last two chapters. I really, really, really love this character. Yeah, he's awesome. <clears throat> Just the fact that he, he, I was so, you know, it's been like this running thing. Like, what do you think it's going to be like if Michael finds out? What do you think he's going to do? You know? Mm-hmm. I don't think I was at all prepared for just how gracious he would be. You know? Agreed. Like, even the way he says it, to your point, what you just said, is he says, I saw you protect my son. Like, that is so filled with grace and and compassion, compassion and just the way he, he, he sees it, not as... You know, Harry doing this bad thing or this moment of weakness or this impulse or any of the negative stuff that I think Harry was worried about. He sees it for what Harry really was doing in that moment, which was trying mm-hmm. to protect the kid from touching it. Um, I really like Michael. Agreed. But he's also like at the end of that conversation, he's like, oh, by the way, though, mm-hmm. if you fucking change you know what I do. Right? Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, it's, it's just it's a good moment. And I was so relieved that Harry told somebody. Yeah. I didn't realize how much the weight of this secret was wearing on me and on Harry, you know? Yep. It was really nice to ha- hear him say it out loud to someone. This is, you know, what's happening. And Michael knows everything. He's like, I, let me guess. She comes to you as an attractive young woman and offers you knowledge. And, you know, he just, he's hip to it. He knows. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he says to Harry, there's a way you can, you can get rid of this. Cause he, cause Harry's like, look, um, I haven't actually picked up the coin itself. So he's right. like, oh, so you're just getting the shadow. And Michael's like, you can put it down if you turn away from your magic forever I was not a huge fan of that <laughs> neither was Harry evidently yeah. his yeah. response is fuck that with not even a pause to think about it right right and then, yeah he usually tries to change his like his little curse words when he's at Michael yeah they can't, that shit came right out and Michael winced <laughs> but um of course Harry is not gonna put down his magic yeah that's not an option it's not an option absolutely not even if he i think he says it really he comes right out and says it but for harry to put down your magic his magic would be like walking away from his responsibility to take care of people mm-hmm. you know and he, there's no way he's doing that um i was surprised that that was how it would have to work and i don't know if I understand that, like, I'm not sure I understand why Harry just can't say no to the coin, you know, and whatever that looks like, give it to Michael or whatever and be done with it. Like why he has to put his magic down. I'm not really sure either because like, it's not like Michael, cites sources for his uh, assertion here and it 
As far as we know, and I could be wrong, the other Denarians did not start out as wizards. They were mm-hmm. just ordinary people. Right. Like Sanya was, I think. He was just like a lost, wayward youth, right? Mm-hmm. So why is is Harry's magic yeah. sort of the factor? And, I don't I don't know. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me personally. And I don't know if, if we're supposed to believe that it's because he has let her mess like impact his magic like the hellfire like if she if like if he had never let her do anything for him then maybe he could just put it down and walk away and keep his magic is it because he used it with her this so somehow like it's infected like somehow. somehow it's tainted or infected or whatever i mean um yeah like you say he doesn't give us he doesn't say why harry has to walk away from his magic forever to get rid of her that just doesn't make sense to me and i don't know if it's cleared up later in, in the books um, but he says to Harry also something along the lines of, you know, I'll be here to help you if you ever decide. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they kind of tried to make it seem like there might be another way, but I could have, I could be reading more into that than is, than is actually there. I mean, it, Michael kind of says like, as far as he knows, that's the only thing that can be done. Like once you've touched it. Hmm. He is not aware of any way of getting rid of the shadow. And that's really his concern is that she's just going to be able to, like, work on Harry yeah, indefinitely. she's going to wear him down eventually. Yeah. Um, so, that is concerning to me because I now wonder if Flashiel is part of this this whole ride for the duration of these books. Um... And I'm not sure how I feel about that, mm-hmm. uh, especially if she's just a shadow the whole time. I mean, I don't want her to be fully formed. I don't want him to actually pick up the coin. But I also don't know if I want eight more books of her just whispering in his brain. Mm-hmm. So I'm not decided on what I want that story arc to look like. But I feel somehow so much better that Michael knows now. And I'm glad it didn't get drawn out more with him lying right to his face. You know, it's Agreed. one it's one thing to just kind of avoid being around them, mm-hmm. but to be mentoring his daughter and being in their lives and seeing him every day and to be lying right to his face. I don't think I would have enjoyed that. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I feel like Butcher is pretty good at, at, I don't want to say wrapping things up quickly because that's not true at all. Things take books and books and books to be worked out. Mm -hmm. But he is good at taking things that are much more like could be used as a crutch and dispensing with them pretty quickly so that you don't feel like he's leaning on something for like kind of an artificial plot point that is just really more frustrating and and irritating than it is interesting. Right. Um. And yeah, and I like too, like Michael's reaction to Harry talking about killing these two people is like what pushes Harry to tell him because Michael says flat out, like Harry's like, you don't think less of me for this. And Michael says, I trust you. And I trust that if you did this and you would do it again, that you made the necessary decision in the moment. Mm -hmm. And that's really what means everything to Harry is that. He doesn't see him 
differently. Right. He still trusts his friend's judgment. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. There's something really like beautiful about that. Yeah. It's also remarkable to me that because Michael has known about the coin from when it happened, he still asked Harry to watch his family while he's gone. Mm -hmm. So he's, his trust in Harry, even knowing about the coin hasn't wavered. That's true. That's true. And I think, I think that that says like, it just is a lot about who Michael is and who Michael believes Harry to be. Mm-hmm. And I think Michael has a pretty accurate bead on who Harry is as a person. You know what I mean? I think his, yeah. I think his uh, his judgment and his trust in Harry is pretty well founded. I mean, Michael's nobody's fool. Yeah, he's been through some pretty hairy stuff. Harry, oh God, I really didn't do that. Yeah, purpose, you did. I swear, <laughs> but that as it as it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh no. <laughs> But yeah, he has. Um, so yeah, I and they talk about the history of the swords here. Listen, what guys? What <laughs> are we saying that Michael's sword is fucking Exc- Excalibur? Basically, that's what they're saying, right? That's yep. exactly what they're saying. Yep. I um, it's so funny too. It's like it belonged to Merlin, and Harry thinks he means the Merlin, and. Michael's like, no, not the Marlin. The Merlin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not the. The Merlin. <laughs> name. Actual human name. Yeah, so that's yeah. a pretty wild idea. Um, <clears throat> and he's also asking Harry, like, hey, about the, about the sword you have. Any mm-hmm. ideas yet about, like, who we should be giving that to? And that's what prompts the conversation about the Merlin. Because he's like, you know, it, maybe if you look into it, you'll figure out what you're supposed to do with the sword next mm-hmm. um and i don't know like i think i made a, a half-assed joke at some a couple podcasts ago about whether or not harry ends up with the sword mm-hmm. and like is that even a possibility like can he both be a wizard and a warden and have one of the Knights of the Cross swords. Like, is that even... And have a and fallen have, inside right. him. <laughs> yeah, like, it just seemed like a bit of... You know, a bit much, it doesn't it? It seems like a lot for one guy. <laughs> but, um... But, yeah, I don't know. The fact that... I mean, he hasn't had any fucking time to worry about this, this goddamn sword. That's true. You know, things have been hectic for him <laughs> since he got it. And that was like three books ago, four books ago he got it. Jesus Christ, what book was that? Um, when did Shiro uh, die? I can't remember. I, can't. I think it's book five. I think it's three books ago. It sounds about right. Or maybe two. I feel like it was more like three. I'm sorry, guys. It's just very... But, um, but yeah, so it's been a minute and Harry hasn't had a lot of time to think about what to do with this sword and who it should go to next and... And I'm starting to think the longer he has it, the more likely he's going to be the one the to more take it out. Likely, oh, it would be cool if it ends up being Molly. Ooh, that's interesting. But but probably not, though, because I don't think God would make, like, some a, a knight's daughter be the next knight. That seems like a lot for one family. Though Michael does say something very cryptic towards the end of their conversation about how he's thinking it might not be his much longer. Yeah. And nobody likes the sound of that, especially Harry. He doesn't care for that one bit. 
Yep. Yeah, he says, um, knowing the sword's history could become important. Sooner is better than later. Something odd in his tone made me look at him. Why? His hand moved unconsciously to Amarakius's hilt. I don't think I'll have the sword for much longer. His voice was very soft. When the Knights of the Sword retired, they did it feet first from the inside of a box. Uh. Michael, I asked, did the uh, office send you a memo? Oh, Harry. Yeah. Did the office send you a memo? Doesn't he say something like, uh, I, I made a point not to mention like they did with Shiro? Yes. Or something? Yeah. Yeah. Michael's like, no, it's just kind of an instinct. Michael's got very good instincts, too, so that makes me very nervous, because this is not a character I want to see go anytime soon. Same. So, yeah. So then he gets to the house and drops uh, Michael off, I think. Mm-hmm. Is this when Charity gives him the hug? Or is yes, that later? Yes, she's... I think, let's see. Um, oh, yeah. This is the confession, yada, yada, yada. Um, I know. You what? I know, he repeated. You know. You knew? Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Um, and let's see. You, you've got to get rid of the coin. Give up the coin. I haven't taken it up. Which... He's very, like, relieved by that revelation. Yeah. Um, and, oh yeah, and this is when, that her new, her position as your apprentice has less to do with protecting her than it did protecting you. Children have their own kind of power. When you're teaching them, protecting them, you are more than you thought you could be. Mm. More understanding, more patient, more capable, more wise. Perhaps this foster child of your power will do the same for you. Perhaps it's what she's meant to do. Mm. I love that. Yeah, I like that. Um... I don't know of another way to end Lashiel's influence, but that doesn't mean there isn't one out there. If you should change your mind about the coin, Harry, if you want to get rid of it, I promise that I'll be there for you. Thank you, I said, and meant it. His expression grew more sober. And if you should fall to temptation, if you should embrace the fallen, or become ensnared by its will, he touched the hilt of the great sword, and his face became bedrock granite, Old Testament determination that made Morgan's fanaticism look like a wisp of steam. Hmm. If you change, I will also be there. Uh, Woo! Yeah, baby! Yeah. <laughs> very serious. <laughs> There's something very sexy about uh, Old Testament Michael. I can't <laughs> lie. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty intense. Um, and Harry says basically... If that happens, promise you'll do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you'll be right to take care of me. Make sure that you don't fucking punk out. Um, but yeah, the thing with uh, with Charity is later. Okay. Right now, it's just, he goes right back to his place. So this is the, this weirdness. Yeah. So there's a, the whole thing with Molly, which... So at first, I had, like, bristled. Right, reading this, mm-hmm. but then afterwards, I was like, "Oh, you know what? This is actually, I think this is pretty smart because he just gets it out of the way." Agreed. Right, like just fucking like you said earlier about not him not stretching shit out to lean on it for like unnecessarily 
unnecessary plot, you know, tension. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. just, we're just going to get this out in the open and get it done with so we don't have to fucking beat a dead horse about it every week. So that I really appreciate. And I love that when he's, after she comes out, you know, and he dumps the ice water on her. I didn't know what the fuck he was doing. I was like, why wouldn't you get a beer? What are you doing with a fucking, the pitcher of ice? What are you doing there? You need a beer. But that's just me. Um, but so she comes out, you know, and she wants to try to seduce him. And she doesn't know what she's doing. She's very inexperienced. And he just dumps the whole thing on her. And it's like, this is not what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. But he says to her by way of explaining how he knew what was going to happen all the things that would lead her to that moment mm-hmm. the fact that she's probably had a crush on him for a while now that like her her father he you know fights evil um that her mom doesn't really like him <laughs> right <laughs> you yeah know? that's true um it would also explain why she didn't come to him when she first realized she had powers because she wouldn't want to be embarrassed you know in front of him not knowing how to use him and how to control him so she would want to get like practice under her belt first mm-hmm. and then on top of everything she's just been through and the trauma and how scared she is and he just saved her life like this is like a perfect storm of emotions in a young girl that of course the next step is her coming out ready to like give herself to him mm-hmm and he's just like, that's not what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up really appreciating this scene much more than I thought I would. When it started, I was just like, oh, come on. Don't do not do this. I know. But, yeah. but I was really pleasantly surprised. I thought it was handled really well. Yeah, same. It's the kind of thing that, like, um, I feel like... Butcher has him go through a really real sequence of thoughts here where she's like, you know, speaking in, in these like euphemisms and everything. And, uh, he is thinking to himself, I could just, you know, take advantage of this situation Mm -hmm. and absolutely nobody would blame me. Right. Right. And then it's like, Oh, except for me mm. and my pesky conscience. Right. And I like that because that is the sort of, like, that is what separates good men from predators. Yeah. yeah. Is men who are going to take advantage of society nudging and winking and being like, yeah, I mean, she's underage technically, but like, look at her. Am I right? Like, who's going to say no to that? And he knows that there are many people out there who would 100% feel that way and that the people who would say that are not people that he wants to be like. Right, right. I also like that he's kind of critiquing her seduction skills mm -hmm. while he's, you know, also being very aware that this can't be a thing that happens. And he's just like, oh, maybe if she she did this and she stood like that. Right. You know, um... But it's also kind of like a reminder. It's like he's reminding himself how inexperienced she is, you know, Mm -hmm. and how inappropriate this whole thing is because she doesn't even really know what she's doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She doesn't know what she's doing. And there's a sincerity there that is really vulnerable that he would be taking advantage of. Mm -hmm. 
and just you know yeah again that's what separates good men from bad men <laughs> this kind of restraint and awareness even when your dick is telling you to do something else right take yeah. note men of the world yeah, I'm sure it's, really, it's very difficult. Don't get me wrong, but like... It, but it's not, though. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, I try and give the benefit of the doubt in at least that I, it's a challenge to say no, but also too fucking bad. Be better. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, it's funny because one of the... And we've talked about this so much. You guys have heard us talk about it, though, as we get further into the books, it comes up less. And I think it's a combination of Butcher getting better as he moves on mm-hmm. and gets through the books. And, and also as a reader, getting a little bit more, like, used to it and just sort of, like, rolling my eyes when it happens but not needing to talk about it every time. Mm-hmm. But it's really, it's such a, like, think of the distance that we've covered from how male gazy these books were, especially at the beginning, mm-hmm. to getting to a moment where he has this kind of interaction with a young woman and handles it like the right way, you know? Right. Um, not that I think book one Harry would have taken advantage of a vulnerable teenage girl, but I think book one Harry would have been probably a lot grosser about it. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> probably true. It would have just been written in a different way mm-hmm. that I think would have made it more heroic on his part that he doesn't. Whereas in this, it feels a lot more matter of fact that like, no, this is wrong and I'm not right. going to do it. I also like that. It's not like, and I think that's what you mean by not by heroic is that it's not like some great giant sacrifice that mm-hmm. he's not banging this girl, mm-hmm. you know? It's not like, oh, give me a medal. I managed to not do this thing. Yep. It's just like, no, this is not a thing I'm going to fucking do. Yeah, he's not asking for cookies. Basically. How about that? How about that? (laughs) Listen, (laughs) I've been real cranky lately about some, uh, some different conversations that I have seen and been in where men demand some sort of like payment from women for being decent people. Mm-hmm. And it really is so sad. And, and you know, like we have such a low bar for y'all already. If you can't manage some of the shit we ask of you, you don't deserve a glass of water. Never mind a cookie. Mm-hmm. And I really, like you said, appreciate Butcher getting this out of the way and just treating it like, yeah, I knew this was coming. I kind of have been turning this over in my head. I figured out how I'm going to take, like, how I'm going to handle the situation. And he also leavens it with a little bit of compassion once he rejects her. Right. He, like, tries to be like, listen, I do get it. But no, we just, this is, he's just like, this is not going to happen now. And it is not ever going to happen. So you're going to need to drop it. And he has to have... A pretty stern talking to her, not just about whether what their relationship is going to be and what it's not going to be, but also what he expects of her, which is a, like pretty much complete obedience mm-hmm. and um, explaining to her how serious the endeavor is that they're about to undertake. Mm-hmm. He also tells her she can't be having sex and she also cannot be making herself happy. 
Yeah, which she's like, you're joking, right? Yeah, right? And part of me thinks he is, but I'm not <laughs> sure. I think he is maybe being a little mean on that. Oh, I don't know. But I hope for her, her sake he is. Cause right. It, it just gets the downhill from there because uh, there's a conversation before she comes out of the bathroom, I think, where they have to figure out where she's actually going to live. Mm-hmm. And by the time this is all over, she's going back home to her mom and dad. And, yep. and it's kind of because when he's when he's talking to her, he describes how initially she's being like defensive and rebellious and he has to keep like telling her like at one point he has to raise his voice and be like do i look like the kind of fucking person you can play with like this is this a game do you think this is a fucking game Mm -hmm. like he has to like kind of shock her a bit because he's like this is not teenage rebellion time i'm not your parents you know um and really get her to i think one of by the end she's like yes sir no sir (laughs) and he has to take her back home and he's like not only are you going back home but you're going to be the picture of a respectful mindful daughter you know mm-hmm. and you're going back to school how about them apples yeah I like and, that a lot. and you're going to be getting homework for me <laughs> and everything she's like oh god this is hell i'm in yep. hell <laughs> I love it because, like, it's really easy to be like, okay, she lived and now she gets to learn magic. This is Mm -hmm. awesome. Sweet deal. And he really is like, first of all, you have to live your ordinary life Mm -hmm. and be a person. Because if you can't live in a house full of people who love you and you can't finish a base level education, you can't handle magic. Period. The end. And, uh... And I also like him talking to her earlier about like the fact that he's going to be demanding obedience and without question, mm-hmm. especially that that puts them on not equal footing. Yeah. So that's another like aspect of why they couldn't have a relationship and then go to him telling her what to do mm-hmm. in daily life and her still like respect that and treat him as somebody who is in charge. Like, right. They are not equals, and that's and, not how it's supposed to be. And not only would she have difficulty treating him like who like he's in charge, but the power differential is so inappropriate for a sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's basically a teacher having sex with a student. Like, that's mm-hmm. not ever going to be okay because you're not equals. Um, yeah, this this was just handled really, really well. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so he takes her home and... Uh, She's not thrilled. Did you, can I ask you, when he says kneel down, did you have any apprehension there before he dumps the thing over her head? I did. I had a moment of just like, For a split second. Yeah. (laughs) For just a split second because it, you know, yeah. Yeah. He says to close her eyes too, I think. Yeah. And he says, kneel down and close your eyes. And I was like, "Mm." (laughs) wait, where is this going? Where is this going? Yeah, no, I totally did. <laughs> um, so then he gets back to his apartment. Oh, the other thing too, when he gets to his apartment with with her, he has a conversation with Bob about oh, right about the uh, the little Chicago. Yeah, and that there was something that had been very wrong. About and, the dispersal of energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that it should have uh, exploded or did damage or something. And it didn't because someone 
basically, it sounds like someone broke into Harry's apartment and fixed it. Yeah. Um, and Harry's just like, how is that even possible? Like, who, first of all, who could get through my wards? Secondly, who, who knows that kind of magic to fix it? Thirdly, who even knows that this was here to, mm. to come in to fix it? So I don't know what the fuck to do with any of that. I have no idea what to make of that. Yeah, it's pretty, like, <clears throat> it's it's really weird, too, the way that Bob is, like, and I can I can pull up, basically, the exact memory of looking at it that night and see that, like, that it was broken beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like, there, I can see in my, in my mind's eye, I am a mind pretty much only. Mm-hmm. Um, so he knows for a fact that this was not taken care of until like the, the in between the time somehow. Right. Now was Bob in Harry's bag this whole time? Because why isn't Bob there? Why couldn't he just tell us who came in? I think he was in Harry's bag okay. the whole time. Yeah. I'm I know he sure. was. I know he was with him at the hotel, but I, I couldn't remember if he went on that fucking excursion or not. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, and, I guess. And whether or not he took him to the warehouse with when he took Molly, like, you know. Hmm. I mean, he doesn't, he, he doesn't make a sh- uh, an appearance for any of this stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's still not in Harry's book bag. But, but otherwise. Well, when it would have been fixed was while Harry was at the hotel, right? Because Harry doesn't use it until Molly is taken. And he uses Bob in the hotel room to set oh, up the spell true. to catch the fetches. Okay. So, the t- yeah, the timing works okay. out that Bob wouldn't have been down okay. there. Hmm. Hmm. And it's interesting, too, to know that, like, that shit... Because the way... What Bob says is basically... That kind of energy should literally have blown your head clean off your shoulders. Like, that was going to be a really bad scene. Mm -hmm. And Harry (laughs) had been about to try that spell when Molly called and interrupted his huge ritual that he had set up. Oh, that's right. So, like, it gives a little credence to Michael's theory that this was all set up to protect Harry in a way. Mm. Except that Michael doesn't really know how literal that might be. So, hmm. Yeah, I don't know who could have. I don't. Yeah, I don't know who fits the bill to have been able to get into the apartment and would have the knowledge to make that correction, and then leave no trace that Harry is able to notice. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very curious about what that ends up being. I don't have any guesses about it now, but I'm looking forward to finding out how that happened and who it was. Yeah, you know when Bob is basically like, oh, that that's a real serious mystery that you're dealing with. Because Bob, like, he never just doesn't know. He always has, like, you know, several, he has a, a few ideas and maybe it's uh, one of these 750 options that I can, like, outline right, right, very right. detail for you. But this is genuinely, like, Bob's just like, yeah, that's... <coughs> I mean, it could happen, but like, mm, yeah. not likely. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you for bringing that up because I totally forgot about that because we got onto the Molly thing. Um, and this is when Charity comes out and asks him if she, uh, if he told mm-hmm. Michael and Molly about her, and 
He says no, and she looks relieved and says good. And he's like, you're welcome. She doesn't even say thank you. And then she sort of like gets a look on her face and gives him a hug. Yeah. And he's like, oh, Mm -hmm. I would have just done well with a thank you, but I guess this is fine. She gets like a little bit of a smile Mm -hmm. and then gives him a big hug. And I'm here for Harriet and Charity Buddy Adventures going forward, <laughs> just in case anybody was wondering. I am 100% here for that. Agreed. Um, so he finally gets home. And then, oh, excuse me, Ebenezer comes by, and that's when they start putting their cards on the table. Yeah. Um, with very little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's not a lot of... Uh, conclusions no no like ebenezer shows up and they just like go and have a beer and they start talking which you know last time oh preamble preamble that's the word i was looking for thank you no problem because you know they were kind of out of sorts Mm -hmm. and haven't talked until ebenezer showed up at the warehouse you know a couple hours earlier with molly so there was no, like, big, you know, I know we had a fallen out, but it's going to be fun now, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they just they just dive right in, and Harry lays out this banana pants theory <laughs> that clear, that Ebenezer has also been thinking about, turns out. And Harry is basically like, I think something much bigger is going on. Look at all the shit that's been happening in the last couple of years. I think... There is an unknown player, mm-hmm. and that player is moving us all like pawns on a chessboard. He talks about thinking that maybe one of the one of the fairy queens played them in this particular circumstance, mm-hmm. like with this this just this book, but he's not sure which one it is, and then maybe somebody else is playing them mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's, I don't know, he's got like his tinfoil hat on. Like it's just, he's like, he sounds like a paranoid, crazy person. But I don't think he is. I think he's right. Yeah, um, it's, it's essentially like everybody thinks that they're doing things for their own reasons because they are so good mm-hmm. at setting up all of these little like yep. instances that yep. lead into things. Yep. That, that it goes too far back for any of us to see the person yeah. at the base of everything. Yeah, they're, they're, they are thinking they're doing things of their own motivation, not realizing they're being played. Mm-hmm. They, can't, they can't see the bigger picture. They can only see like what's right in front of them, whatever their particular agenda is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like some, <clears throat> you know, dark hand shit you know that's deep yeah. state crazy talk you know <laughs> like and he says i think someone set molly up to be a beacon for the fetches mm-hmm. and i'm damn sure that it was no accident that those fetches took molly to arctis tour mm-hmm. when it was so lightly defended someone wanted me at arctis yep. tour um and- so that kind of ends because you had asked at one point why molly was was the beacon right and it turns out like Maybe somebody made her that way. Well, that would end up making more sense than just Molly falling backwards into a spell, you know, Mm -hmm. that 
ends up like falling backward into a spell is one thing having crazy consequences that end up hurting her friend nelson and rosie that's that's all stuff that could happen Mm -hmm. but that she would end up being snatched back to winter was the part that was just like wait a minute Mm -hmm. and if that was by design it would make much more sense but then it becomes like whose design right becomes the question um and then there's like talk about maybe somebody was trying to play Mav and like because she maybe she made a deal with someone mm-hmm. um and then he says a thing about Lily where you know she wasn't particularly that smart before she became a queen <laughs> Yeah, I was a little, like, I bridled a little Mm. bit at that, but I was also like, yeah, I don't really have evidence to the contrary, so all right. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that would be a really good direction for the books to go in. Mm -hmm. I would, you know, if that ends up being what's happening is that there is some grander, malevolent, force behind things that we don't even know about yet because every book is like putting out immediate fires you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's hard to have a minute to stand back and be like why is all of this shit happening all of a sudden you know like like we don't know what harry's life was before we start the first book you know he tells us Mm -hmm. a little bit about what he gets into but since the first book Shit has been popping in Chicago. <laughs> like, they cannot get a fucking minute to breathe. And he's putting, like, all these people. I mean, he's talking about the pelts from the FBI guys. Mm-hmm. And the fucking, uh, the nightmare. And uh, the fucking, um, whatever that first wizard was. The, um, oh, God. I can't think of his name. Victor Sells. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm, they call him Shadowmancer? Mm-hmm. Is that what he calls him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he is barking up the right tree. Mm-hmm. I don't Agreed. know what, whatever the thing is that's happening and who's behind it. I'm not even going to pretend <laughs> like I have guesses. But, yeah, I like it. I, um, <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I like, I like where he's going with this. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's, a, and he talks about the black council as well. Oh my God. And Ebenezer just kind of is like, where did that name come from? And he's like, makes sense. I, I don't know what to tell you. It's just sort of it's sitting right there. Right. What am I not going to do it? <laughs> That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. I need somebody to illustrate some fan art of the Black Council, but it's just all of the black wizards and witches and they're just like, um excuse. Really appreciated if you didn't uh give us a bad name, figure out something else. How about the bad council? How about that? Uh, there was a a whole thread the other day in one of the Dresden Files groups where somebody like mentioned um, wishing that there were more LGBT characters and everybody just like jumped down their throat. The The groups are full of bros. Yeah. I have come to learn to my sorrow. That's a shame. And uh, it really was just like, guys, they these people exist in the world. 
Because, you know, they use this the uh, <coughs> usual, like, we don't need characters just to tick some box yeah. on somebody's checklist. And it's like, how about we have those characters because they are, you know, human beings that are out there? Well, if it's not integral to the plot, why is it integral to the plot that somebody is straight yeah. either? Yeah, what are you talking about? It's just like the they are so used to this being the default that it doesn't even occur to them mm-hmm. that maybe somebody can be gay or trans or any number of not white cis straight you know like and that doesn't have to be the plot point nope it can just be a thing yeah just like in real life it's just a thing people are these things (laughs) it's crazy i know yeah um yeah so i'm expecting some hate mail now it's fine um (laughs) keep your political correctness out of my fantasy (laughs) oh my god honestly Did you see all the comments about hoping that there's no, like, social justice message in Jordan Peele's Twilight? Or, uh, Twilight, do you hear me? Um, Twilight Zone? No! Yeah, and somebody shared it and was like, "Mm, y'all know that, like, Twilight Zone was invented because he kept being told to keep messages out of things, and so he found a loophole, right? I will never forget having at a family function last year when Black Panther came out and somebody said to me with a straight face I heard that this movie I heard it was good but it was just like way more political than the other Marvel movies what (laughs) what you mean the movies were like the the one like everything is about like the government trying to wipe them (laughs) out or or put them on registries or like what do you what (laughs) yep yeah I mean uh, <laughs> the Age of Ultron, I feel like, falls almost completely, like, half of the scenes take place in, like, a boardroom in some government <laughs> building fighting with Tony Stark over, like, a... Yeah, it's, it's, guys, yeah. Not to say that they're, like, political movies, really, but, like, you can't act like that, you know what you're talking about, and claim that social justice isn't the whole thing (laughs) it's all of it guys it's all about justice that's like why superman was invented it's just dawn of justice just put social before it and let them go fucking nuts dawn of social justice oh fuck um (laughs) i just it's just so insane to me that being anti-fascist and wanting social justice mm-hmm. has turned into something to be made fun of right, right. And, and treated with derision. Like, if you can't get behind fascism is bad and society should be fair, I really just don't know yeah. what to say I don't to know what to tell you. Like, what exactly are you rooting for then? You know, like... <laughs> I hate to tell you this, but you're like an 80s, like, teen movie villain mm-hmm. who's trying to bulldoze grandma's house so right. he can build a condo complex. Like, no, I am for social injustice. That's what I stand <laughs> for. Like. I love fascism. I'm pro-fa, <laughs> and I am a social injustice warrior. Really, I'm a social injustice private contractor. <laughs> Not really. I don't like to, you know, really right. get in there. But yes. I'll hire guys. Yeah. And they I'm know a, what they're doing. I'm a private contractor because they won't give you health insurance for those jobs. 
everybody please fundraise to help fund my uh, <laughs> my, my anti-social <laughs> If everybody will just donate five dollars, <laughs> I don't think you know what words mean. Oh. But okay, here's twenty dollars so that I can continue to laugh at you. Please write more. Oh God. Um. Anyway, sorry guys, I went left on that a little bit. We didn't talk about Murphy. She uh, did lose SI in the end. Yeah, she got pretty much what down she expected. Rank. Mm-hmm. She's so uh, and partnered with Rollins. Yeah, because he's basically been demoted. Right. Also, he's uh, been assigned to uh, SI, which was not where he worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and she's a little. Um, trepidatious about it because he knew her dad yeah what do you think about that yeah i don't know i i mean i'm always in the mood for more karen backstory um i wonder what kind of secrets he's gonna share with her about her father that she maybe doesn't know Mm. um you know I I think I'm looking forward to it, but I'm worried about it too a little bit. Why is that? Because I'm a I'm always afraid and that could be projecting, but there's a part of me that 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 is in, in incredibly curious about my own parents, but also reluctant to get like the whole story because sometimes you get once like Ebenezer says once you once you tell somebody something you can't take it back Mm -hmm. so I'm worried like Karen will hear something about her dad that she didn't know and it might be really difficult to hear Mm -hmm. and it could be something like um something maybe bad right Mm -hmm. or it could be excuse me it could be something like uh struggles that he had that she never knew about right or maybe things he encountered in his career that were uh kind of like the stuff that she deals with right on the Mm -hmm. supernatural side um but she had no idea that her dad was in it as much as he was right you know so she might find out that oh i am i'm kind of going through the same thing my dad went through and I had no idea that he was fighting this fight either you know mm-hmm. I don't know I'm just curious about it following in his footsteps yeah realizing yeah that. unintentionally right mm-hmm. like um yeah I think it would be cool to find out a little bit more about him though hmm um so also the conversation with Thomas who is really frustrated with Harry and Karen. Yeah. Uh, he asked Harry about it and he's just like, yeah, that's not going to happen. And he's like, well, how do you know? And Harry's like, cause she told me, <clears throat> excuse me, to my face that it wasn't going to happen. Yep. She literally said the words, my friend. And Thomas is like, and you believe right? her. And I'm like, Thomas, listen, buddy, when a woman says no, just let it be. No, but then he don't sa- do this. He says that they had a conversation in the car. Yes. He doesn't say what the conversation was. When Harry asks him, he just says that both of you are, like, stubborn or something. Mm-hmm. So it it's like he's implying that she said something that belies what she said to Harry. Yeah. You know? 
but it's hard to, to it's hard to gauge because he could just be reading into it. Maybe she said the same thing to him that she said to Harry, but Thomas just doesn't believe her. He thinks she's you know It's excuses. Right, doesn't think she's telling the truth about it. Yeah. So it's hard to say, but but he's over both of them and their shenanigans. He's like irritated and bored with them. <laughs> basically, yeah. He's not here for this will they or won't they nonsense. This isn't moonlighting. <laughs> Oh my god, I was about to make a comparison to, uh, like, Vampire Diaries or something. Um, or what's the other one that somebody's been re-watching on my timeline? Pretty Little Liars. Oh, have you watched that show, Rashawn? No, I haven't. There goes one of the dumbest shows on television, and I say that with all the love in my heart, because I watched I was gonna say, pretty much watch every that? season of that show. Yeah, I thought yes, so. Yes, and it's so, so stupid. But I loved it, and I loved it, and I just loved it. It's, like, really bad. It's, like, the kind of thing that I kind of want to cover, except in a really informal way. Not, like, a weekly show, but, like, occasionally just throw a podcast out there where we've watched about, uh, what, two seasons? What do you think of these last <laughs> two seasons? And we just do the whole thing. Because, yeah, it is a – it's a, a – slow moving isn't even the word. Nothing happens for, like – Three or four episodes, it's all just nonsense drama. And then all of a sudden, they find, like, six bodies. And you're just like, wait, hold on. I was really getting used to this being a high school drama. I forgot there's murder. Um, anyway, so, yeah. But, I mean, I'm just really, like, not super interested in the two of them as a couple. So, I guess I'm also biased about how I react when Thomas has this, like frustration mm-hmm. around them i'm just more like thomas don't push just don't do this <laughs> leave it like, alone no, leave it alone wait i don't want this they don't seem to want this like <laughs> the only one that wants this is you tom <laughs> you know a little bit a little bit like i feel like it's really comes more out of like a a desire to see harry with companionship because i think thomas worries about harry being lonely but i just i feel sort of about having just reread little women about them the way that I do about, like, Joe and Lori, which is that they make such excellent friends. I was just going to say the same thing without the little women dying, but yes. Yeah, they just, they, they complement one another so well in terms of the way they see the world and their abilities and and how dedicated they both are to doing the right thing and protecting people. And I just really enjoy seeing male-female relationships that don't, have to turn romantic Mm -hmm. it's not depicted enough i am okay with them having this conversation because to a degree when you do when you're of a similar age and you are attracted to each other there's no way that you don't like toss the idea around and think about it especially when you're both single so i'm fine with them discussing it but i feel like everything that they talked about in terms of their overall goals in life and what what Murphy ultimately wants out of a relationship and all of that feels really true. Yeah. It didn't feel like an excuse to me, whatever yeah. Thomas may seem to think. And it doesn't seem like it's going to be anything that's going to change in the near future. Like her, what she desires isn't going to change and what Harry is in a position to offer isn't going to change. Mm-hmm. So for them to get together romantically, one of them would have to basically lie about what they wanted or what they were willing to do. You know, and that's like she would have to decide that what she wanted wasn't important Mm -hmm. or he would have Mm -hmm. to pretend like he was able to give it to her in order to have this relationship. And that's that's no way to be. Yeah. 
But um, and they're both such upfront people. I don't right. think that they could pull off deceiving one another like that. But there's also a thing when you have a bystander that sees two people that are so good together, that work so well together, to think, well, why aren't you just a couple then? Mm-hmm. You know, like someone from the outside would just be like, well, you should just be with so-and-so. Like, look at how well you are, how well you work together, you know, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. how deeply you care about each other and how much you understand. Of course, you should be, a, you should be a thing, yeah. you know, and it can seem kind of like, well, why, why not? <laughs> um, but that's easy to say when you're on the outside, you know? Yeah. And I think the fact that we don't depict enough of those kinds of like, platonic friendships is part of why people can't ever seem to have the imagination to step outside that like in and i'm talking about in real life well it's also why we don't value them in real life Mm, true yeah you know uh we don't think having a a deep non-sexual relationship with the opposite sex or the same sex if you know um if if you're um, queer, we think anyone that you could have sex with, you should be having sex with. And if yeah, if you're if you're not, mm. your relationship isn't as valuable. It's you know, mm. it's the like like when people make and I know we just had a whole rant about this, but here we go. It's like the idea of the friend zone, right? Mm-hmm. Like. That you it's, it's again, it's taking something that's positive and somehow spinning it like it's a negative. Mm-hmm. Like when you complain about being in the friend zone with somebody, you're basically saying friend- your friendship is garbage. Yeah, your friendship is garbage. Your friendship doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything. It's not worth anything. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I see you as using your friendship to torment me mm-hmm. because really, you just get off on the power trip. Of holding me at arm's length, knowing that I want to be with you. Yeah. Which really is just, I don't trust you as a person, which is, okay, I guess our friendship's garbage. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, why, exactly. Like, that's, and, and it's, it's a shame because, um, well, it's just a shame for a myriad re- reasons, but. Right, yeah. But, yeah, it's really, we just have this, we don't. We don't depict those types of friendships in our popular culture hardly ever, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, it's just, we just, we don't, we don't assign it any value. So it's no surprise that people don't think it's important in real life. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> In this essay, I will. Um, but no, I just, I, I making my feelings on this uh, clear and... Hopefully, uh, everything goes exactly the way that I demand. <laughs> Hopefully. We'll see, I guess. <laughs> um, and then it ends with uh, Harry and Ebenezer making up. Yeah. Um, and Harry inviting him out to eat and Ebenezer being really touched, clearly, yeah. that Harry is going to finally be able to, like, get past this. Yeah. It's, there's a weird moment when he talks about where they're going to go for dinner, and I mm-hmm. don't know if that moment is just Ebenezer reacting to this sort of olive branch, or if something else is happening. What do you Let me about? see. Um, oh, there's also... Harry is asking about when he was brought before the council with the hood on his head 
mm-hmm. and wondering if Ebenezer stood up for him the way he did for Molly because Ebenezer is telling him, you know, it was really brave what you did standing up for that girl. And Harry's like, makes me wonder, like, did someone do that for me, maybe? Talking mm-hmm. about Ebenezer. And he's just like, yeah, I don't know. I'm old. My memory's a little sketchy. <laughs> I can't remember, you know. <laughs> Those days were so long ago. Who can really say who stood up for who? <laughs> but he, um... That's not big <laughs> about who stood up for who. So, um... But, but he says, uh... Bah, 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 bah. Um, it was all in Latin. He says, um, I know this little joint that's got the best spaghetti in town. Ebenezer froze in place like a man walking on ice who suddenly hears cracking sounds. Okay. Oh. All right. So, yeah, okay. That's what that was. That's just him kind of being like, oh, wait, is he about to do the thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he about to ask me out? Is this happening? (laughs) That's what that is. Okay. Ebenezer is the woman who uh, sees her man moving like he's about to stand up and reaching into his coat pocket. Oh, my God. But I can't make any move yet because what if he's just going to sneeze? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's how it ends. Yeah, I like this. It's a nice symmetry with the uh, beginning when they are still fighting and Harry rejects him after the execution of a teenager. They've just saved a girl, and now they are going to be friends yeah, again. It's, it's nice. Yeah, it is. It is. <sighs> oh, my God. So, look at the time. <laughs> she said unsubtly. I'm sorry. I All just right. The, I, I just, get it. I just looked up. Criminy. It was right there. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's just like we didn't talk that long this time before we got started. I didn't think. There was a lot to talk about. I didn't think we talked that long, but I guess we did. We talked until about 10 your time. I guess we did. It didn't feel like it. Yeah, no, because we really bounced around a lot this time. Oh, yeah. A lot of times we'll sort of rant on one thing and the time goes slower because we're just, but this time we had a lot of like weird bits of gossip and whatnot. (laughs) I didn't even get to tell, talk to you about like the royal scandal. (laughs) I can't believe we haven't covered that. Oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> there's no time no it's too late but yes that is a thing we should talk about <laughs> i know i want to know about it i have so many weird ideas um because i care about this sort of thing for no good reason <laughs> whatsoever it's a sort of i get so judgy on oh myself my at things like this i'm like do you have nothing better and it's so crazy mind? though because they've been really dragging princess megan through the mm-hmm. through the mud blaming her for all sorts of shit and lo and behold. <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> if it isn't the consequence of your actions. Uh, okay. Um, well, real quick, before we go, I'm going to say hi to new patrons. Um, I really enjoy doing that, I have to say. <laughs> I need to come up with, like, a bit of intro music before this starts. Um, but anyway, so this this week we have Audrey McQuillan, Joseph Rayfield, Robin Bootner, Jason Sobel, and Corinne Grimm. Corinne Grimm. I like it. Um, Corinne Grimm. It sounds like a chant, mm. like some kind of magic spell. 
Um, but thank you guys all so much for pledging. And uh, a few of you pledged at the $5 tier, which means that you are going to be getting access to Twilight. Miles and I recorded the um, second to last episode of the first book this afternoon. And we are toying with some ideas already of what we might want to cover after the Twilight series is over. Because we're both really kind of feeling these like silly books that are fun to talk about and not too like riddled with uh what's the word I want? They're just not heavy, mm-hmm. you know? And I kind of floated an idea that I would like some opinions on. So I will leave that as a little teaser. You all can find that episode soon. Um, and yeah, guys, um, also check out War for the Tower, which I did a plug for at the beginning of the episode. I will be putting that in there. Um, but they are a sponsor. They are a high-level patron. And uh, if you are, if you become a really high-level patron, you get those plugs before each episode. So, um, you know, if you're interested in something like that, check it out. Right now, I uh, have Doctor Who available as a show to have a plug ahead of. But um, this show and what's the other one that I've been having them before? Oh, no. Doctor Who is taken. I've lied to y'all. Um, but, yeah, so so get in touch with me if you're interested <laughs> in that. We'll figure some out. Um, but, yeah, I've been... I find it really fun because it turns out that like War for the Tower was inspired by me and Miles's coverage of Dark Tower. Oh, fun! Um, which is always fun when some when you find out that like you're the reason for somebody starting a, a specific project, and it is an actual play podcast um, set in that universe. And I I am interested because of the fact that these are people that I'm sort of linked with. I have a hard time starting new podcasts. I gotta be honest. Um, but dark tower is something that I feel like had so much potential and just did not go where it should have gone in the end. And I feel like an act, an actual play podcast or like even like uh fan fix or something like that might be the very balm that my my soul needs <laughs> to sort of come to terms with what happened there because I know some people like the end of those books, but I can't for the life of me imagine why. <laughs> I just I, I and I'm not trying to be funny. Like there's so little to recommend that final book that it's like in, it's just really heartbreaking. Oh no. <laughs> um. So yeah, guys, what I'm saying is check out War for the Tower because uh, I think that sounds like. If you have the same feelings that I do, it sounds like something that could maybe scratch that itch for you a little bit. Um, all right. Is there anything that you want to add, mademoiselle? No, ma'am. All right. Well, thank you guys all so much for listening. I hope that you have been enjoying the coverage. And, um, yeah, what's the next book? Oh, my God. I just realized that I didn't. I don't even remember the name of what's, what book is next. Um. Dresden Files, book nine. White Knight. Oh my God! You were just talking I about sure how this was. book ends with a literal White Knight, and here we are. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I. Okay. Yeah. This is. This will be fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is. I think if I'm remembering this. Uh, yeah. This is. I don't want to say my least favorite book. Because 
I kind of already said that with the uh, with the book where there's the porn, mm-hmm. whatever. That was the last one, right? Or was that the one before? I lost track of it. But so it's not quite like that to me. Felt like there was a lot of silliness, um, and that's not really the case with this book. But I'm really, I feel like I'm looking forward a lot to talking with you about it because when you just read certain things, it doesn't have the same effect as having a conversation. And I have a suspicion that this is the kind of book that really benefits from a conversation. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, I'm going into this one like a little bit trepidatious because I really don't know what, what after talking it over with you, what I'm going to think about Mm. it. And I'm very, very curious to see what you think about it. Super curious actually. Um, so yeah, well, I guess we'll have to see. I guess so. I'm unspoiled for unspoiled. (laughs) 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 Bye guys. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.